This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, hour number two of 630 Chad Inside Sports underway after two periods of play in Toronto. The Bruins and the Lightning are tied at 2-2. The uh, difference in this game is the power play goal by Brad Marchand is fifth of the postseason. And that has really made this an even game because even strength, the Lightning are just dominating this game better uh, quality chances better, the high danger chances, uh, just more quality chances in this game. But uh, 2-2 and goaltending has, again, been a good equalizer for the Bruins. Yero Halak, by the way, has won four games since Tuka Rask had to leave the bubble because of a family emergency. He has made uh, 21 saves in this game so far, where Andre Vasilevsky has made 14 saves. Still to come, the Vegas Golden Knights, Vancouver Canucks. Second game of their second round Western Conference playoff series. The Knights won 5-0 in game one. And Quinn Hughes, the 20-year-old rookie who has played really well in this series, especially on the power play, but he's been picking up points, just seems like it will, was dash three, which is a minus three in game one. Chris Tanev, uh, veteran defenseman, says uh, the youngster will bounce back. It's pretty simple. Quinn is, as I said, one of the most skilled people I've ever played with and one of the most confident players I've ever played with. So I, I have no doubt in my mind that when we play next game, he, he's going to be fine and he's, he's going to be uh, he's going to be flying out there. Canucks just have to find a way to play better five on five. I mean, their power play has been good. I mean, Pedersen was good. Uh, Quinn Hughes was good. Uh, on the man advantage and, and the Canucks were, have been pretty good on the power play throughout the playoffs, but five on five, uh, they were not very good against the golden Knights, even though they did have some, some chances, but overall it was Vegas that had the puck for much of that night and had the higher quality chances by far. And the Canucks just got to make things happen when it's even strength when they got the puck on their stick. I mean, there's just nothing going on right now with, Elias Pettersson and and even Bo Horvat is struggling. JT Miller is struggling uh, five on five. Their, their better players are just not playing very well at even strength. And even Quinn Hughes, who uh, even on the power play, I mean, he, he fought the puck. He was bumped off the puck. But here's a 20-year-old kid and, you know, that's really getting leaned on by a team that is probably the best team in the bubble right now or in, and left in the playoffs. And that is the Vegas Golden Knights. But, you know, you got to think the Canucks have – better to give than what they showed, but you know, they do have to kind of take a, a step or two up if they're going to match the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, and maybe, yeah, they're going to have to have some success on special teams too. They're going to have to get a power play goal here or there as well. They got, they got to make the Knights pay for taking a penalty, but the Canucks, I mean, they just have not played very well in these playoffs since round one started with St. Louis blues because the blues, they, they sure dominated, a lot of the possession and the chances. It just, it seemed like every time Bo Horvat had the puck on his stick and every time they took a, they had the power play, they had to keep power play going games. And Horvat was 
dynamite. They were dynamite in the in the in the in the special teams. Uh, but the Knights look like a very complete team. There's no question about that. So the Canucks have a lot of work to do if they're going to jump up and catch the Knights in in this series. You got to think they got to you know this is a critical game. I don't think the Canucks can go down two nothing and expect they're going to come back and win the series. So they got to find a way to tie it up tonight. You can text or call seven eight zero. Four nine six zero zero six three. James says, "Has someone set up a GoFundMe for Torts yet?" <laughs> I got a feeling Kellen Torts is fine. I think he's good. <laughs> yeah, I think he's okay. <laughs> I, I, I think yeah, he'd probably go take your money and spend it somewhere else. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. So nice Torts. Uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to keep it PG. You know, I can't say what he like to say, yeah. especially to Larry yeah. Brooks. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Well, I mean, like you can like, you go down a endless YouTube wormhole on all of the Larry Brooks stuff. I mean, that's <laughs> that's hours of enjoyment alone. Yes, that is so true. Uh, this text says I didn't like. But sometimes he is right about the media. Look at some of the questions the week before the Super Bowl. Some get their credentials. I think the NFL loves that though. On media day, oh, it's when... a spectacle, Dave. It's a spectacle. They the don't Super care. Bowl. It's, it's kind of you, you look at it. It's, First round of, or yeah, first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs versus you know the Super Bowl. It's it's two completely different animals in size and magnetic exactly. scope of the of the the spectacle or the game, right? I mean, like you have forever uh, different countries sending their entertainment reporters to the Super Bowl because they want to. Right. I don't know. Ask Bill Belichick what kind of coffee he drinks every morning or something, you know, just, it's yeah, exactly. just insane. The, the level of questions there. And Tortorella fined $25,000 us for, uh, basically walking out of his post media session after the uh, game five loss in overtime to the Columbus blue jackets, uh, trade today in the national hockey league, the Leafs trading winger Kasperi Kapanen to the penguins in a deal that lands, the Leafs, a first-round draft pick, defense prospect Jesper Lindgren, and winger Pontus Aberg, who was a one-time Oiler, were also shipped to the Penguins for the 15th overall pick in this year's draft forwards, Evan Rodriguez, Philip Hallander, and defenseman David Warofsky. The trade allows the uh, Leafs to clear some cap space. His captain has a cap hit of $3.2 million for the next two years. The Oilers were not in on Kapanen at all, according to Pierre Lebrun of The Athletic, and the GM of the Leafs, Kyle Dubas, says he is open to trading that 15th overall pick in what is considered a pretty deep draft from a uh, forward perspective. The draft will be a week after the NHL wraps up their season. I believe, or is it? Are they going to stay with? I think they're going to stay with October 9th. Uh, the last possible date was supposed to be October 2nd uh, for the Stanley Cup playoffs or the Stanley Cup final, but um, there's been talk now that the league might want to have that wrapped up before the end of October or end of September. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Daniel Nugent Bowman of the athletic, uh, the athletic Edmonton has reported that he expects Gaetan Haas, the Oilers center to uh, be loaned to the Swiss elite league to start the season and would be returning to the Oilers for training camp whenever camp is. So we've seen this with the SA Pugliarvi signing back with, uh, with the Finnish league because no one really knows when the NHL season will start. December 1st has been the target date. 
but that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be the actual date. The NBA has said the same thing as well. In fact, Adam Silver, commissioner of the NBA, has already said, I don't think December 1st is going to be the date. Uh, Deputy Commissioner of the NHL, Bill Daly, spoke to Dan Rosen of NHL.com. Now, to warn you, I'm going to read quotes because I don't have any audio uh, to play you because this was only for basically print and online, um, you know, the, the basically online format. So I'm just going to read you some quotes here. But uh, the bubbles have worked in Edmonton, Toronto. No COVID-19 cases. There's been 25,000 tests administered since uh, the bubbles were uh, were filled back on June the 26th and uh, or July the 26th. So Bill Daly asked about, could a similar setup be coming for the regular season? And Daly says that isn't something that necessarily is on the table saying, quote, I don't want to rule out anything because I think there are so many alternatives and possibilities and ways this might play out. I can I can't tell you we thought of necessarily about divisional bubble, but I think our current format for bubbles would work for the regular season, uh, particularly because our objective is to play, or I don't think that is our current format for bubbles would work for the regular season, particularly because our objective is to play a full season, and I'm not sure how we'll do that in the format we're currently utilizing. It's already a significant amount of time just to complete our playoffs in that type of bubble format. I don't think it's going to look like what we're currently doing but it could be a variation of what we're currently doing. Would it rule out any more uh, than I would rule out of or rule out any other or any number of alternatives? So that was an interesting quote. Uh, talking about flexibility going forward being key, particularly when it comes to dropping the puck on the upcoming season, and also regards to whether fans will be in, in attendance. Daly says. We love to be in a position where we could open up on December 1st to full buildings in every one of our markets, but that may or may not be possible, and we don't control that, so you have to adjust to that reality. The adjustment could take a variety of forms. It could be pushing back the start of the season until that might be possible, or it might be opening to partial buildings in either all, all, all the markets or portion of the markets. We recognize there's not a lot of certainty with respect to what this looks like yet, and there may not be for some period of time. We're going to have to remain flexible and we're going to have to make the best decisions we can at the time we have to make them. And also uh, having a later start date in addition to accommodating enough of an off season for all clubs allows the NHL to keep a close eye on what other fall leagues are doing. Daly says we have the benefit of being able to observe what happens over the next several weeks and months with respect to fall sports, college sports, European leagues, how everything kind of shakes out in the world, really in terms of live sporting events and how they're conducted. We want to inform ourselves to the greatest extent possible for making definitive judgments and decisions on things that don't need to be decided on today. So we'll use all inf information points to all those data points and to make decisions at appropriate times. So, and the talk about, hey, why not wait till January 1st? You have a winter classic, how about that? And he says, for better or for worse, that's not today's decision. So there you go. Um, don't know if December 1st will be the date. I would say just from afar here, as uh, you know, someone who covers the NHL, someone who covers sports producer of the show, you know, follows it. I think December 1st might be very ambitious. I think that they have to consider everything and 
we reported John Shannon talked about the four divisional bubbles where you would have uh, teams, all 31 teams playing in these bubbles for eight game increments, and then they would move around. But Bill Daly doesn't want to be stuck to one idea. And I don't blame him for that. I mean, they weren't stuck on one idea as they prepared for the NHL restart. And then it ended up being, and if you remember, it was neutral sites, then it was four bubbles, then it was two bubbles. And then also mixed in there was, is there a chance we could you know, have teams go back to their home arenas and could we bring fans in or could we have empty arenas there? So we don't know about the border issue because you got to remember, is Health Canada going to be excited for or be okay with the fact that you would have Canadian teams crossing the border constantly, American teams crossing the border constantly? That's another factor. So, you know, I think there's uh, there's wants and desires. They, uh, every sport wants to have full buildings soon, but when are we going to have full buildings? I think partial buildings are next. I and mean, the NFL is interesting because – there's going to be a handful of teams that are going to have fans, but the vast majority of teams and home stadiums will not. The, the Bills, for example, in Buffalo, their first two games will not be with fans, and who knows after that. Then there's the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones, their owner and GM, saying we're going to have as many fans as we want. And I know there's some coaches and GMs in the NFL that think that's an unfair advantage. It should be either uniform, every team can have some fans in the building or or just no fans. So that's something to watch for sure. Uh, just starting the third period of play, actually into the uh, first five minutes, the Bruins and Lightning are tied at two games, uh, two goals apiece. Game two of their Eastern Conference second round series with the Bruins leading one game to nothing. We're back with more in a moment. Wilkins is not here broadcasting from his basement. It is Dave Campbell broadcasting from his basement, but we still play Def Leppard because that's what Wilkie likes. It appeases the Wilkie like it spirit. It does. <laughs> I'm I, trying to I channel our inner Wilkie tonight and, you know, make a good show. So I think I sense a fist pump at the Wilkie household or wherever he is right now going, hey, they played Def Leppard right on. Good stuff. Absolutely. Way to go there, Kellen. Uh I want to mention this too. Um, as far as the we talked about it in the hour of the show. Opened the first half hour talking about the goaltending prospects for the Oilers and, you know, thinking about maybe an Anton Kadobin or a Thomas Grice or a trade for Tristan Jari or perhaps a Matt Murray. Uh, James Myrtle from The Athletic in Toronto mentioned Frederick Anderson's name. Uh, he has one year left at $5 million. Uh, is his cap it. I just don't see how that's going to happen. And actually, James said the same thing, is that they're, they're maneuvering. That would have to happen. So, you know, I like Frederick Anderson a lot. I know he gets uh, criticized for his playoff performance, and I think justifiably so. I don't think it was a Frederick Anderson loss this time to the Columbus Blue Jackets, even though he did let in a questionable goal in the uh, in game five of the qualifying series against Columbus. But, uh, yeah, I think Frederick Anderson would be a bit too lofty of a get for the Oilers because they would have to make the cap room 
really work and they would have to get rid of a lot of salary. And I don't see the Oilers in a position uh, in doing that. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays are back home in uh, Buffalo after splitting a four game series with the uh, Tampa Bay Rays in Florida. And they're taking on the uh, Boston Red Sox. And right now at top of the seventh, the Red Sox uh, lead the Jays by a score of nine, six. Kellen, it's the first game for a major league baseball team or a professional baseball team in Boston, in uh, Buffalo, since October of 1885. Wow. They were called the Boston Bean Eaters. (laughs) Hide your beans. And let me me guess, Halsey was doing, uh, you know, dugout reporting for Boston at that time, right? Or... Well, of course I was. What are you talking about? <laughs> of Man, course that's, I was. Just the, the fact that Major League Baseball is playing games in Buffalo out of a converted AAA <laughs> ballpark. 2020, yeah. everybody. Like, this is just... <laughs> we're, this is definitely going to be something that uh, we're going to be telling our kids and grandkids about, you know, years, and it's, decades. It's a now. home run show there, too. I mean, it's not... The dimensions are not exactly... Uh, a major league oh, ballpark. It's, I it's mean, a weird field. It's a weird yeah. design for a field. Absolutely. Cause you got like a freeway on the outfield end of it. And you got like city streets on either side, because again, built for triple a baseball, it's, it'd be like, okay, uh, Oakland athletics, uh, for whatever reason, can't play in, uh, Oakland anymore. Uh, let's put, um, uh, I don't know, maybe back at Edmonton at Remax field. You know, it's Remax Field, great field, you know, beautiful part of the city and that stuff. But the dimensions of the outfield and the characteristics, not necessarily Major League Baseball worthy, right? So, No. I mean, that's why Randall Gritchuk went nuts for about, you know, four or five games in a row hitting homers, right? And uh, it's nothing against Randall Gritchuk, good player, but, uh, you know, it's – you got a lot of power alleys uh, created in that ballpark just because it's mm-hmm. not exactly the ML- MLB specs. But hey, My- the Jays are are winning, are playing some winning baseball. They're in a playoff spot right now in this weird, wacky season. Of yeah, weird, I wonder wacky year of twenty twenty. Yeah, so, I wonder if yeah. this ballpark makes like the uh, MLB the show video game next year for the home park for the Jays, or if they just play out oh. a Skydome for that. Who knows? Oh, that'd be fun. Maybe Health Canada would ban them from using. Roger Center in the video game too. I don't home, know. Home run derby at Salem Field. That'd be amazing. <laughs> the home run derby that won't end. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'll tell you, it was a great end for the uh, Canadian Elite Basketball, the Canadian Elite Basketball League season. Edmonton Stingers winning. Guess what? Their head coach, Jermaine Small, was named Coach of the Year. We'll hear from him next on 630 Jet Inside Sports. Coleman, his second goal of the game, third of the postseason, has given the Tampa Bay Lightning a 3-2 lead over the Boston Bruins. They're under eight minutes left to play in the third period in Toronto. The Lightning trying to tie up their second-round series in the Eastern Conference at one with the Bruins. Getting underway in about uh, 12, 13 minutes from now here in Edmonton, it is game two of the uh, Vancouver Canucks and the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Looks like... uh, 
Tyler Toffoli, who hasn't played yet in the postseason, uh, looks like he uh, he might be a go for tonight. Uh, he was going to take the warm up. Um, looks like he's in for Louis Erickson. Just seen uh, Farhan Lalji's tweet from TSN. Uh, so it looks like Tyler Toffoli is going to see his first action in for uh, Louis Erickson, and the Canucks looking to uh, tie that series up at one game apiece. Well, uh, I say a, a rousing success. Uh, a tournament called the Summer Series for the Canadian Elite Basketball League, who uh, were supposed to start their second season back in May, but of course we know the COVID-19 pandemic hit, and it really put a, a real wrench into the plans. But Mike Morielli, the commissioner of the league, was able to uh, hold a very successful tournament in St. Catharines, Ontario, and it was won by the Edmonton Stingers, uh, and their head coach, Jermaine Small, and general manager, by the way, uh, was today named Coach of the Year. He joins us on 630 Chad Inside Sports. Jermaine, nice to have you aboard. Congratulations. How are you? Thank you very much. No, everything is uh, going very well, and uh, thanks for having me on. Well, it's been a while, uh, or not too long, I should say. Uh, you won the tournament uh, back on August the 9th. You beat the Fraser Valley Bandits in the, in the final. Um, so you've had a couple of weeks to kind of let this marinate a little bit more in what was a very fast tournament in a very unusual environment because you're in a bubble and there are places you could go and places you couldn't go. But when you reflect back now a couple of weeks later, what really comes to mind? I mean, yeah, first and foremost that we actually played, that we actually, uh, yeah, played. I mean, um, you know, I got to give a lot of credit to Mike and the, everybody in the league that, uh, you know, everything that they um, promised, got, you know, it, it, we did. And, and we just, you know, after winning, you just kind of sit back and reflect like it's not like a movie for for the most part. But nonetheless, I mean, uh, it was a great uh it was a great success. Um, you know, it was just good to get back with the guys and obviously win. And um, yeah, it's it's a memorable thing that's part of history now. Yeah, we'll talk about the tournament in, in, in a bit. But you mentioned the, the fact that you played was just even a a great moment. And and we all know what this pandemic has how has it affected everyday lives and 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 business and obviously the sports world. And when you're a league like the CEBL, who you know, you, you need fans in the stands if you're, you know, ideally if you're going to survive. But, you know, the fact that you had a great deal with CBC, you got, uh, you know, you got some other uh, helps as well financially. Uh, it was a it was a great tournament. Uh, but, yeah, Mike Morielli really hustled here. But but tell me about kind of going through that uncertainty of are, are we even going to have a season here? And when did it kind of start to really gather momentum for for yourself and your team that you kind of felt in your in your mind and in your heart we're gonna play here yeah you know you said it all i mean it, it it really like you know two months prior i was like no way we're playing you know and that was kind of like the consensus and then you know but the, the one thing that mike and the, you know his team did is they kept hope alive and um there was always that you know even days where you know that you got bad news and you, you know the covid obviously you know the cases kept getting you know larger and, and things that around the world just kept getting crazier um we always had that hope that glimmer of hope that we would play and as we got closer and closer it started to make sense and then you know with the all the protocols in place and you know we were well you know advised and everything like that prior to going there and then as soon as we got there and then you know we had to test right away and you know even the american guys they came in two weeks before everybody to, to quarantine you just felt like a yeah like once i got there i just felt like 
wow, it's going to take place. And it just it just became real. And uh, obviously the bubble lifestyle is not ideal, ideal, but, you know, you get used to it like anything else. And like I told our guys, let's just make the use, of, you know, let's make the most of it and just take it day by day. We had Brody Clark on. We had uh, Jordan Baker on uh, the day after you won the title uh, in St. Catharines, and we both talked to them about the bubble life. And obviously, it's uh, it, like you say, it's it's not always the best, but it's it's the best way to play uh, a tournament like this. But from your own experience, Jermaine, what was it like in the bubble, the operation, the setup, and you know how do you deal with the fact that? You know, you you can only go here and there, and you can't go outside of this perimeter. Uh, how, how'd you deal with it? Yeah, you know, it took it day by day, first and foremost. And, and I mean, one thing that the league really did is that they ensured our, you know, our health and safety. So that that you know gave me some peace of mind. And you know, I mean, uh, end of the day, you know, for me personally, like I look at you know necessity versus privilege. And you know, I mean, end of the day, I just stick to the necessities. And I was just happy that we're hurt we're going to be playing basketball so initially it was tough um just adjusting to obviously like everybody else now we have to wear a mask everywhere and you're reminded every time if you're not wearing one but i mean like anything else you get adjusted and um you, you take it day by day and you know i mean it by by, by the time we started playing like it, it was like almost all the, the on the back of my mind and and once again just knowing that we're health uh healthy and safe like i, I couldn't complain more Jermaine Small joins us, the head coach and GM of the Edmonton Stingers of the CEBL, joining us tonight on 630 Chat Inside Sports. Uh, Jermaine named the uh, CEBL Coach of the Year, voted by uh, fellow coaches, GMs, and media covering the CEBL Summer Series. I think what helps you maybe to, to uh, kind of cut the monotony down or, or just the, kind of the weirdness, your schedule was brutal. Like, it was really packed. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you had a lot of time to think about, I'm in a bubble and this is weird. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I I told our guys, I said, look, I mean, um, let's just try to control our own destiny here. And, and I said to them, look, I mean, even though we had the most back-to-back, I said the semifinal and finals is also back-to-back. So let's get used to it. You know, let's get used to it sooner than later. And um, once again, we just took it game by game. I, You know, last year, I think we focused on the goal too much. This year, we focused more on the process. And, um, yeah, the tournament went along after, I mean, especially getting punched in the mouth after the first game. Like, we just kept believing that we were the best team there. And we had, we had something to prove, and especially after last year's uh, disappointing loss. Talk about the Elam ending here, and I, I loved it. So just to explain, with four minutes to go or, or around four minutes to go, I think it's after the first stoppage, after four minutes left in the in the uh, in the in regulation, uh, the score gets adjusted. So if uh, if it was eighty to seventy one, then the score the target score is nine points up from eighty, so it becomes eighty nine. If I got that, if I have this all correct, um, you, do, you do. Tell me. I do. Okay, excellent. Tell me about just the format itself. And it seemed pretty popular from the outside looking in, but you being in there as a head coach uh, with this with this ending, uh, what was it like uh, as far as the games compared? I don't know how many games you were actually able to watch uh, without your, you know, when your team wasn't playing, but maybe your perspective of, of just watching it in general, and then coaching with that type of ending. Yeah, I mean, there was a uh, tournament called the TBT um, in the U.S. Actually, and it was 
prior to our our tournament that had the Elam ending as well. So I, I got to watch and I, I watched closely because there's obviously there's some strategy to it. Um, I mean, at first I was, uh, you know, I probably lukewarm on it, you know, being generous here. But, um, yeah, as it, you know, as you playing it and you coaching it, I mean, you, you got to get used to it. And, yeah, I could definitely see the excitement behind it, especially from, a, you know, a fan's perspective. I, like, you know, there's, there's more opportunity for game winners. Um, but from a coach's perspective, it, it was, yeah, you know, I, I think we adjusted well. But, yeah, you, if you really have to strategize. And I told our guys, like, that last four minutes, yeah, I mean, that's Elam to everybody else. But to us, the fourth quarter is Elam. And um, it really, you know, you really focus on possessions. And, um, you know, I told our guys not to go take some crazy shots. Like, just keep playing the game. And, <laughs> you know, a lot of the time it's like, let's say the set score is 90. People think we got to score 90. There's nothing wrong with scoring 91, right? You still, you still win the game. So, you know, our, our guys uh, adjust to it very well. I mean, our, our staff did a really good job of uh, preparing for it. And, yeah, we, we use it to our advantage when we need to take fouls or, or whatnot. Jermaine Small joins us, the head coach of the Edmonton Stingers of the CEBL uh, tonight on 630 Chet Inside Sports. Uh, Jermaine uh, winning the Coach of the Year honor for the uh, 2020 uh, season, which was uh, the summer series, a uh, about a two-and-a-half-week tournament, won by the Stingers back on August the uh, 9th. So you're already the winningest head coach in league history at 17-4. and four. You've been... You've been with this group since day one. I know you weren't the head coach when you when you started. You took over about halfway through last season. Um, I, I kind of a two-part question here, or maybe a three-part question. One is, how is this experience overall? What has it meant to you to see the growth of not only your team, but the league? Secondly, I love the fact that you have the U sports element, and we see it with Brody Clark. Um, who's just a tremendous person, and obviously Jordan Baker, who's got a lot of experience with the with the U of A and that and that program. And then thirdly, you know, you see someone like an Xavier Moon come up. Uh, you know, the American influence here. Uh, uh, you, you got a lot going on in this league, but tell me about the growth and just how you kind of meld. This league has been able to meld the uh, you know the the U sports angle and then bring in some professionals that are pretty good ball players from down south. And I know there's some good professionals in Canada that play in the league as well. Yeah, it's, I mean, the league, uh, I, I think that's the word. It's growth and, and development. Like, it's allowed a, a guy like me, um, you know, I have a youth sport background. I've coached in the league for about eight years now. And it, um, you know, I, I, I never thought when I started that there'd be a Canadian pro league that I could have the opportunity to coach in. So, I mean, not just the players have an opportunity to grow and develop, but the coaches as well. And, um, yeah, you know, mentioning that youth sports background, like um, my very first year at Ryerson, um, we played them. We played uh, the University of Alberta at Nationals, and they were led by Jordan Baker. So, you know, I mean, a, a lot of the guys that I have on our team, um, I've been a fan of or coached against. And just knowing their background and also, you know, I mean, um, the league, we play FIBA. And then U Sports is FIBA, so that, that I find the mm-hmm. the U Sport guys, uh, trans, you know, transition or tra- like they just translates better or easier for them. And then you know, I mean, a lot of I don't know if a lot of people know, but our rosters have to be eighty percent Canadian. Uh, so I mean, your imports, mm-hmm. which we have a very we have we have a couple of very good ones. Um, I mean, they're a big part of our success. But having that U Sport foundation and knowing that these guys, you know, I coach against them or you know 
played against whatever the, the case may be, that really, really helps in it, in it with the familiarity. And uh, bringing this group back, we brought back seven guys from last year. I mean, that's a big reason why we won. So all those things put together, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of the league, and it's a tremendous honor being the, the coach of the year. For sure. Jermaine, it, it was a tremendous tournament. Uh, great job done by Mike Morelli and, and his staff with the uh, Canadian Elite Basketball League in St. Catharines. It, uh, it looked great. The action was great. And your team won it all. So congratulations uh, on winning the title, being the coach of the year. And uh, we don't know what next year looks like. So I'll just say just enjoy the moment, my friend. And thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. And um, yeah, no, it was just great. And uh, yeah, there's, this is just the beginning. That's, uh, that's all I'm going to say. But we'll, we'll see how it goes. Have a good evening. Okay, take care. You too. That's Jermaine Small, head coach and general manager of the uh, Edmonton Stingers, your 2020 Canadian Elite Basketball champions from the Summer Series in St. Catharines, Ontario. Wild game going on in Toronto. Uh, it's 3-3 now, late in the third period of play, under a minute left. As I mentioned, Blake Coleman with the uh, third, his third goal of the playoff, second of the game at 10:40. That gave the Lightning the 3-2 lead, and then Brad Marchand at 16:02, his second of the game and six of the postseason and it looks like we are headed to overtime in this game the boston bruins and the tampa bay lightning tied at three the bruins with a one game to nothing lead in that series second round of the eastern conference uh, in the eastern conference just getting underway here in about uh, well i guess now the uh, vegas golden knights trying to take a 2-0 lead on the vancouver canucks that game in here in edmonton tyler toffoli is in the lineup for the canucks as they try to tie this up at one final segment of inside sports coming up high slot Pachernock shoots Corrali will swat at it rebound Martian sent it back up top held in by Pachernock backhand left to the net center they score Martian and the Bruins would not be denied we're tied at three and they are going to overtime in Toronto, tied at three. The Bruins try to take a 2-0 lead on the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Lightning trying to tie the series up. And the Bruins had a very uh, much improved third period, uh, much better as far as having the puck, doing more with the puck, getting some chances, and Brad Marchant was lucky, uh, was in the right spot. Well, not lucky, but, you know. He was in the right spot. I'm trying to use a sports cliche, Kellen, and it failed miserably. So I'm, I can admit my flaws. That's okay. So hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Canucks Golden Knights underway here in Edmonton. Game two of their second round Western Conference playoff series. Uh, you go back to that 5 nothing win. The Knights recorded 54 hits in that game. Uh, 11 by Ryan Reeves, 9 by Will Carrier. Uh, the Knights, by the way, lifetime are 9-0-2 against the Canucks. And if you're Antoine Roussel of the Canucks, leave Ryan Reeves alone. Let him sleep. Uh, don't get him going. I think that's the key there. Uh, NBA, the uh, Toronto Raptors will not begin their second round playoff series against the Boston Celtics until Thursday. Uh, but there was a Canadian element tonight to tell you about. Uh, Canada's Jamal Murray scored 33 of his 42 points in the second half where he played every minute. The Denver Nuggets avoiding elimination by beating the Utah Jazz 117-107 down in the bubble near Orlando, Florida. Uh, the Blue Jays still down 9-6. to 
to the Boston Red Sox. Uh, they're into the seventh inning uh, in Buffalo. Uh, what else here? And Vancouver's oh. just scored one nothing. Ah, yes. Well, there's a there's a start. There's a good start. Yes, one nothing. Uh, and it's Tyler, Tyler Toffoli. Toffoli. Yep. The aforementioned. He's in one of my pools, so that's good. Hey, I picked Tyler Toffoli. Didn't realize he was hurt. So you know. I, I'm still winning this Look, particular. Looks pool, like Pedersen around uh, the net and feeds Fruitacrease to Toffoli. Let me look at this again. Yep, Fruitacrease and Toffoli, no mistake, puts it in. So hey, good start First for them. Goal. Right on. Absolutely, first goal of the playoffs. Uh, for Tyler Toffoli in his first game of the postseason. We're in the CFL opt-out period where uh, players have until next Monday to opt out of their current contracts to pursue NFL opportunities. We had a few more today, none from the uh, the uh, AA football team here in Edmonton. Uh, John Ryan, punter for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, opted out uh, to pursue NFL work. He's 38 years old. A lot of kickers have uh, done this. Uh, Richie Leone from the Ottawa Red Blacks. Also, Brett Lowther of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and uh, Sergio Castillo of the BC Lions uh, has opted out as well. You can uh, text in at 780-496-0063. Uh, someone's suggesting, what about uh, a trade for Darnell Nurse? For uh, Matt, I'll say, uh, if you're going to trade Darnell Nurse, you better know what you're going to get. In behind, you better know what you have in behind Darnell Nurse. And I said this last night, I mean, he's a top four defenseman. And you just don't trade top four defensemen without having someone that can replace them. And right now, I don't think they have that player. Uh, I'm going to read this text from Derek just quickly. I'm going to condense it. Um, talked about the average salary in the CFL is $65,000 a year. Actually, it's higher. That's the minimum, sixty-five. dollars Quarterbacks making six, eight times that. They make enough money. They're not hurting as bad as some of us, and if they are, it's their own fault. If they need be, they can sell one of their fancy cars on their $800,000 houses. I haven't had work in nearly six months, and I'm nearly homeless. I really don't get why people make it out like these pro sports players have it so rough. Take your pity party elsewhere. I'm sorry, man, that you've been going through a rough time. I really am. I just want to clear this up, what you think about CFL players, and there's this perception that they just get paid year-round. You only get paid by the game. And unless you have bonus money in the off season that you are entitled to, and they don't even get that sometimes players because they get cut because contracts are non-guaranteed. So um, you have to think about it this way, that uh, players haven't really been paid since November. So when we talk about that, they're struggling. Yeah, they could make $65,000. And by the way, you're taxed in Canadian money. So it's not American money. It's in, it's in Canadian money and you're taxed a lot on that. And even if you're one of the upper echelon, which there's only a smattering of those, um, it's you're really not in the CFL to make a lot of money. I mean, you're making decent money. You're not making good money. But these players haven't been paid in months, in months. And some have had to get jobs, and some do get jobs in the offseason. But uh, I think the perception I just want to clear up is they're not getting, they're not getting paid while not playing. So now they're going to be entitled for the wage subsidy, uh, the CEWS. Um, so that's good, unless you opt out for a NFL opportunity. So, Derek, I'm really sorry you're going through what you're going through. I really am, and I hope you land on your feet soon. I really do. But uh, players do not get paid a salary for the whole season. It's per game, and there's been no games in the CFL since November. So 
That's the reality. So one nothing, Vancouver Canucks over the Vegas Golden Knights early in the first period. Here in Edmonton, they're going to overtime. Toronto, Boston, and Tampa Bay are tied at three. Tomorrow, Tampa Bay and Boston will play again. Also, New York and Philadelphia in the afternoon, one o'clock, and then it's Colorado and Dallas. How about the Stars? They're up 2 nothing on the Avalanche. Man, the Stars have been playing some good hockey since being 12 seconds away from going down three games to one to the Calgary Flames. Thanks to Pat Steinberg of uh, Sportsnet 960 in Calgary putting a bow in the uh, flame season and Jermaine Small, the uh, head coach of the 2020 CEBL champion Edmonton Stingers. He won coach of the year uh, also today. So congratulations. Tomorrow, Brendan Escott will be one of our guests. On Thursday, we will have NHL and Rogers analyst Kelly Rudy. For studio producer Kellen Kennedy, my name is Dave Camlin for Reed Wilkins this week. Have yourself a great evening. Adler is up next. Time for me to go upstairs, tuck my kids into bed, and kiss them goodnight. Have a great evening. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.